0: This is IA Story Share, a podcast from Imagining America, where publicly engaged artists, designers, scholars, students, and other community members share stories about their life and work. Our first series of conversations comes from people who attended the 2017 Imagining America National Conference, which was held in and around Davis, California. This time, a conversation between Lucretia Berry and Castell Sweet. Lucretia, better known as Berry, is a singer-songwriter, actress, poet, educator, and writer from Queens, New York, by way of Lexington, Kentucky. Her latest one-woman show, Tubman, is a reimagining of Harriet Tubman's life as a young girl in Harlem. She performed it to great acclaim at the IA Conference. Castell is a sociologist who explores the intricacies of community, culture, and race. She's currently the coordinator of community-engaged learning and scholarship at the Fitts Center for Community Leadership at the University of Dayton. The two met at the conference, and as they describe it, they bonded. Lucretia and Castell discuss their professional journeys, the complexities of cultural identity, and finding opportunities to communicate across cultural barriers.
1: So, tell me a story about it, a recent experience for you that um, names our current historical moment in time.
2: Um, i I, I think this is kind of the obvious moment in time is our election.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but for me, I was living overseas during the election time.
1: Wow! So
2: I was living in the UAE. I've been there for the past year. Wow! Um, and so during the election. It was weird watching it abroad in a Muslim country with Mm -hmm. all of the controversial stuff that was being said back and forth. Um, But, and it was also weird because we stayed up Until got up at like 2 a.m. in the morning to kind of watch the election because of the time difference. Mm -hmm. So that was weird. But they held a lot of different like um, election watches at the hotels and things because there were a lot of Americans there. But I remember going to work the next day. And my colleagues, I was at a Muslim school. So I was there at the university and Mm -hmm. everyone was Muslim. But my colleagues were asking You know, are you okay? Are you your family okay? And they were generally concerned about the status of my family back at home, Mm -hmm. knowing that Trump was elected. Um, And it was the opposite for my family. So when I talked to my family, they were like, "Are you okay? What are they saying?" So it was concern on both sides for our election in America, Um, but it was not what my family or people back home maybe would have. thought it would be the reaction from, you know, the Muslim country and their reaction to president elect Trump.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, But they were saying, you know, your family, okay. What did your parents say? You know, let them know that they can come over here with us. And they were welcoming to my family um, knowing all of the things that we were going to get ourselves into with our new president. Um, So being there and being international and hearing kind of the conversation from international people and reflection of america i really realized how america is kind of like this international standard all eyes are really on america and there were some places i would go where they would know more about the election than i knew because i was kind of detached from you know because i didn't watch cnn and all those things but they did and Mm -hmm. so a lot of people tell me things about the election that i didn't know about so i kind of felt bad as an american that i wasn't As aware as they were, Mm -hmm. but it just showed me how we are kind of like the country to watch for a lot of people. Um, But it was also comforting to know that different cultures were accepting of Americans, regardless of what this weird president we elected was saying, Mm -hmm. that they were still, you know, seeing me as me and not me as this person that elected Trump. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of comforting. I found more comfort in foreigners than I did in Americans during that time. For sure. Yeah.
1: I feel like, for me, um, a recent experience for me for this historical time is now—and I kind of want to just bounce off what you're doing Mm because we're having this conversation around politics—is— Now, like, how do I respond to the people that are in my neighborhood? And I'm also thinking about my students, who are most of them are recent immigrants, and um, having conversations around like, well, how do you feel and what's going on with you? Mm -hmm. But also, too, there's like a particular instance. So I just got a dog. So this has everything to do with you know politics, or we're talking about. (laughs) I just got a dog in July, and she's really changed my life in a lot of ways. To a point where I'm actually seen in my neighborhood, like mm-hmm. I'm I'm never at home for long periods of time because I'm always performing or right. doing something else or whatever. And so now I'm walking her two or three times a day and early in the morning, like at 730 in the morning, we're walking for long periods of time because I want her to tire out because she's a puppy. Right. So I've always ran in this park um, since I've lived in this neighborhood for seven years. And I've seen basically a slew of veterans, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: people that have strong, patriotic, God bless America, pins on their jackets. And so you can imagine maybe who they might have voted for just based on that alone. Not to say that people who voted for the other candidate can't be patriotic. Right. But it was very obvious that maybe these folks might have voted for Trump. Uh So, and I definitely am not on that side of the political stance. So when I'm walking my dog out of nowhere, hey, that's a good looking dog right there. What's her name or what's his name? Next thing you know. People are having conversations with me, I probably never would have had right. if I didn't have this dog, which made me kind of visible. Mm-hmm. Now I've ran in this park, I've exercised in this park, I've done interviews in this park, I've done photography in this park, and nobody has stopped me to say, Hey, what's your name? Good good to have you here in the park. Uh good to right. see you. Are you a new um occupant in the in the in the surrounding area? No. When I have my dog, every single person stops me on the street. And when I say person, I mean a white person Mm -hmm. and be more specific, a white man who might be retired. Mm -hmm. So these are older white men who are retired wearing God bless America. And I even heard them talk about the Republican party and Trump at some point when my dogs are playing. Right. So dogs don't see color, Mm -hmm. right? Dogs don't know that you're black per se. Mm -hmm. They just say, feed me and make sure I put, you know what I mean? So I think that opened up a lot of things for me. And I was talking about that. Like, we were talking about in our first session imagining an America where there's no racism involved, and that's mm-hmm. kind of like me and my dog's world. I
2: mm-hmm. mean, my
1: dog's world is like the dog doesn't see me as as a black woman. Mm-hmm. The dog sees me as, "Hey, this person takes care of me." Right. And also when I go to the dog park or when I go to parks, you know, that's the America where it's like there's kind of not any racism. It's like, "Your dog's name is Minty and we love Minty." Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just like it's a weird dynamic. Because it probably wouldn't have happened if I didn't have her. And yeah. I wouldn't be been able to be privy to these conversations because I don't hang out with people that have voted for right? For Trump. So right. I think that was also interesting and how that affected me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so how'd you get in your line of work?
2: I kind of just fell into it. And I think that's just seeking out a space where I felt included. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started looking for communities or spaces where I felt accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how I kind of got involved with volunteering with other people. Um, and I like hearing other people's stories. And so usually you hear that when you're volunteering for whatever, you know, at a homeless shelter, food kitchen, mm-hmm. you want to hear somebody's story by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And then getting involved with that and then just naturally going deeper. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, just going and serving dinner to at a homeless shelter no longer is enough once you do that so often mm-hmm. so just going deeper and deeper and deeper and then connecting that you know finding other people who were doing that for a living and i was like man i wish i could get paid to do that too yeah and so i just kind of naturally fell What's into What's your actual it. title um so i'm the coordinator of community engaged learning and scholarship At the? At University of Dayton. Okay. So intentionally, you know, having students engage with the community along with their academic work, because you can read a book on anything, but that's not going to make a difference Mm -hmm. when you go to work and have to actually do some of that Mm -hmm. stuff. You need to know how to engage with other people in the office.
1: Experiential learning. That's important. It's very important. Service learning, hands Mm -hmm. on, things like that. Yeah, that's cool.
2: And so how do you do that with your? Job,
1: Yeah, um, my line of work is pretty much I'm a performing educator. So mm-hmm. my story is <laughs> my story is I came to New York City to be a costume designer for stage and film. I went to NYU and I told myself I'm gonna be this big star. They're gonna see me, my name in lights. I'm gonna either be an actress or a costume designer because I'm talented in both, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, your 20 year old self, your 23 year old self tells you that you're like actually greater than what you actually are. Because <laughs> when I came to New York, I was like, oh, I'm actually terrible. Like, I need a lot of work, you know? <laughs> but like, I'm actually not as good as I thought I was. I'm like, I might have some genuine talent, but. We need to refine that a little <laughs> bit. Like it's a little wild. It's a little mm. wild. So, um, and I have a degree in theater. So, ultimately, New York City was probably going to be my goal anyway. Right, but right. I got into NYU, so that was my shoe in. Um, but I really did not enjoy my time there. I learned a lot, but mm-hmm. I'm just not a designer. I'm I'm, a, I'm I'm stylish, but being a designer, I just was like this is too much work for me. I, I can't focus on this for like three years. I can't do it. So um, I ended up um, not going to NYU anymore. And Uh I just was like, I can't do it. And so I ended up working at after school program and I was starving. So I was like, well, I need to somehow make a living. right? And I ended up being a substitute teacher. And then I literally was like crying because I was offered a full-time teaching position. Uh And I was like, I'm getting $41,000 a year. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And so I had, like, dental plan. Mm -hmm. I had, like, a medical plan. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is going to be amazing. And so I did it for 10 years. And all the while, I was teaching performance to my kids, costume Mm -hmm. design, scene design. I was having them learn history. And Mm -hmm. this is what we're going to do. I'm imagining America where these kids are going to be leaders and all this stuff. And um, then I was like, I got to go. I have to. Yeah. I, I can't be here anymore. I, I, uh, you know, my father passed away in 2010. And I was like, I got to follow my dreams. You know, my dad would have wanted me th- this for me. And um, I left uh, my very toxic work environment. Mm-hmm. Well, and, that's good. Yep. Yeah, and um, I left four years ago, almost four years ago. And I've been doing performance based one woman shows that kind of educates and entertains at the same time. hmm. And that's kind of like how I got to this point right here. Right. um, Because uh, if I was full-time teaching, I wouldn't have met you. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. be here talking about our stories, sharing stories. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have performed um, the show last night if I didn't, if I was still working on lesson plans. Right, right. So I teach part-time and I also perform most of the time. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And um, that's how I got into my line of work. It kind of like I made it up. Right. Made it make sense for me. So... Mm -hmm. And yeah. so
2: that brought you to the IA conference.
1: Hey. Yeah. That brought me to the IA conference. And your job brought you here, right?
2: Right. So, so just meeting other people like yes. you. Yes. Yeah. Um, that engage in that community work, mm-hmm. more meaningful work, mm-hmm. intentional work.
1: Yep. On purpose.
2: Yep. Strategy. And so just, you know. Having that community, other people who are like minded, is always good to come back and talk about those things Mm -hmm. to get us all energized Mm -hmm. and ready to go back into the world and Mm -hmm. change the world.
1: Is there a difference between? Because I know you said you were from originally from Memphis, right? Yes, yes, I remember, I -hmm. remember. Um, And I'm originally from Kentucky. Mm -hmm. So, do you see a difference between like you moving from? You know, you went to LSU, right? Right. Um, And then you're from Tennessee. Is there a difference between like? how people relate to the, your line of work from Tennessee to Ohio or is it the same or is it different? Mm. Or?
2: Well, the University of Dayton is very unique in that they have a center. So the center that I'm working out of does this intentional community work. Okay. Whereas to my knowledge, there is no one, no school or higher education institution in either Louisiana or Tennessee that's doing that deeper work you know we have the typical volunteer or service learning Mm -hmm. where it's just service but it's not that deeper let's get some actual connections to our service um and so university of dayton is very unique that they have an entire center that believes in that more deeper meaningful work for students and connecting that with academic learning Mm -hmm. because usually those type of programs are in another office that's kind of extracurricular so it's Mm -hmm. completely separate than your coursework and your academic stuff Mm -hmm. but the university of dayton is really trying to connect them together Mm -hmm. and so that's why i like about ia2 is that they're institutions that are coming together like that because they're very few and far between 'Cause in representation of all of the higher education institutions in the US, like thousands of them, mm-hmm. there's only a handful of schools represented here that are actually doing that type of work. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I feel like for me, um, there's a difference between there's a difference between Kentucky uh-huh. and New York City and even New York City to California. Like you right, notice right. a difference there, yeah, right? East yeah. Coast versus West yeah. Coast. So for me, um, I didn't grow up around a lot of ethnicities or diversity. Mm -hmm. So or even talking about like transformative discussions, like how do we transform spaces to make them more inclusive? That just wasn't conversations that we had Mm -hmm. 15 years ago in Mm -hmm. my college. So the fact that you're doing this work now just lets me know that times have changed a lot. Yes. Because um, we weren't having these very progressive like and it could just be where we lived because Kentucky probably isn't known to be progressive, not yeah, to throw yeah. any shade yeah. on my hometown. But um, I feel like that's just what we talked about. We just, yeah, we, we basically talked about just visibility. Like, I just, I'm a black actor. I'm a black actress. Yeah. See me.
2: And that was the same for Memphis because it was just yeah. pretty much black and white. Yeah. And so there wasn't a lot of diversity outside of black and white. Yeah, Because we know that there's so many other ethnicities yes
1: and nationalities and languages yeah. um and that kind of shook me when I went to uh New York because I was like oh my yeah oh my oh my goodness and also too like a lot of black people in one place right but they're like different kinds of black people right because I wasn't exposed it's just to not that all one black yeah I right. was like I thought everybody was black like me not yeah. black like you know so what I mean by that is like you know different african Mm -hmm. um countries Mm -hmm. or like you might be black but you speak spanish that Mm -hmm. blew my mind (laughs) and i might have read about it but i didn't know like
2: they actually exist in real life yeah like somebody looks like you and me and they're like speaking
1: spanish i'm like where'd you learn spanish (laughs) like uh, i'm not sure and so now it's coming back to me because in my neighborhood i I speak spanish Mm -hmm. so in my neighborhood everybody thinks i'm panamanian or honduran i'm like Now I know what that means. But when I first came to New York, I was like, what "What does that mean? If I was from Panama, what does that mean? But like a lot of the Afro Latina, Latinas or Latinx people um, are from Panama and Honduras and Dominican and Cuban, all that stuff. So I thought that was really interesting when I moved from Kentucky to New York. And then from New York City to Cali, because I've been to Cali like twice in one year. Oh, that's good. To me, I feel like Cali's like just a lot more laid back and people are more spread out so you definitely have like your segregations but new york we're all on top of each other yeah there's a lot of people so you're gonna have to bump into each other somehow somewhere you're you're like forced to you're forced to so i feel like that's also a difference between um new york and um california it has uh, to be really
2: an intention to connect here versus new york you're kind of forced
1: you're like we're on top of each other in the subway like i see your armpit yeah like (laughs) I literally smell you. <laughs> That's how close we are right now.
2: Yeah, I, but I think it's a it's a good thing. I think it's a change in times, and it represents how we are, you know, kind of acknowledging some of those invisible people, right? Mm-hmm. That were invisible a couple years ago that mm-hmm. we were just kind of like Latinx, like what is that? Yeah, but now we it's it's more familiar, and people are becoming more aware mm-hmm. of those people and their struggles. Mm-hmm. Not just that they're there, but Those struggles that they had.
1: Right. And I also think, too, oftentimes because we live in a space where it's black and white, we often focus only on that. But there are a lot of things... As far as what what Latinx people deal with, they deal with like a double consciousness as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I'm not worried about that because that's not where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And where I'm from is this is what I'm dealing with and you worry about yourself. But as right. opposed to I'm teaching these kids now. Yeah. So now now I'm forced to have conversations that I might not have had before because I have a Dominican student who is struggling between am I white? Am I black? Am I, am I indigenous? What am I? Yeah, and so my family's saying one thing, but then my skin color looks a different way. Right. So it's like they're 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 dealing with the same identity issues that I something dealt with
2: different at school. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so they're dealing with the same identity issues, and I feel like that's powerful to me because it's forcing me to like get outside of my privilege comfort zone as well. Mm-hmm. Because you know we also can have privilege right? being American yeah. or
2: yeah.
1: being Black American because it's simple. It's simpler. Yeah. So to speak, yeah, yeah, because we can say, "Well, I'm black and I'm from the United States." Mm-hmm. Simple. We know yeah. that we came from, in ens- you know, enslaved people. Yeah. or enslavement and so that's our story right as opposed to somebody else who's like you know my family comes from cuba but we might not have had this conversation or we might not have had this um, same focus yeah. when we talk about our history or our, right. our, our, our genealogy things or like when
2: that. they so. do talk about their history or is anyone talking about their history at all like right, right and so, so we're talking about everyone else's history but mine so mm-hmm. where am i in this curriculum
1: yeah so that's good. Yeah. Life New York changing City. work. Life changing all the time. Yes. So what do you want to do? Like after after you do you feel like you're gonna stay a Dayton for a while or are you gonna like um
2: I will be there for a while. I think they're doing a lot of amazing work. Um and a lot of impactful work. And so I would like to stick around and kinda of be a part of that.
1: And but watch I'm, it grow and-
2: Yes. And but I'm also interested in, you know, taking some of that once it's at a point where it's kinda of self sustaining. Mm-hmm. To take that to somewhere else to expose them so they can also be just as progressive. I'm all about spreading the love. Yeah,
1: I can see it. I can see you uh, running some things. I see you going, no, no, that's nope. not how we do things. Mm-hmm. That's,
2: that's not the right You're way. Creating
1: the prototype and then spreading it across. Right. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, I see it. Mm-hmm. So what
2: what's up next for the next one woman show?
1: Um. Well, I would love for Tubman to keep going because it's brand new. It's only been happening for eight months. So mm-hmm. I would like for it to keep going. And also I'm writing a children's book. Mm-hmm. So a young adult novel, which I am hope to get that popping in 2018, 19. Yeah. Um, because that's happening. But yeah, I hope to just continue the work and adding voice to the students that I meet and hope that they could create things out of what um, they see from me. Right. So that's pretty much what i want to do and travel the world yeah we can't and see forget more things travel the world see more things and take we my have dog to with travel me the
2: world. <laughs> next time i go to a conference
1: my dog is gonna be with me but maybe in the hotel room but she's gonna be with me though <laughs> she need to see the world too yes yeah, she yeah. needs to
2: see the world too. she
1: needs to see the world too that's my that's my child <laughs> anyway nice to talk to you
2: nice to talk to you too
1: castell in the house
2: yes we will keep in touch definitely yeah we will we'll see each other and again. we're
1: gonna eat like after this so <laughs> that's gonna help
0: That was Lucretia Berry and Castell Sweet, who participated in IA Story Share at the 2017 Imagining America National Conference. At the end of each session, we asked everyone who shared with us to also complete the sentence, I imagine an America...
2: I imagine an America that is genuine
1: mm-hmm.
2: and intentional. Genuine in all of our interactions... And not just doing things to say that we have done things Mm -hmm. or just to show off, but doing it out of genuineness, um, out of intentional concern for others, Mm -hmm. for intentional connections with other
0: humans. To hear those short segments, go to our website, ImaginingAmerica.org, and click on IA Story Share. You can subscribe to the IA StoryShare podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. And if you'd like to contact the IA StoryShare project, our email address is connect at imaginingamerica.org. The views presented in this podcast are not necessarily those of Imagining America, the University of California, Davis, or the University of California Regents. Our opening theme music is by Joe Kai. Our closing music today is by Camila Ortiz. Imagining America, Artists and Scholars in Public Life is a national consortium of academic institutions and cultural organizations based at the University of California, Davis.